Well, good morning. Nice and uh, cool in here, even if outside it's uh, the surface of the sun. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, I have uh, uh, some phrases that I'm going to read to you this morning, and I want you to uh, consider what emotions come to your mind when I say these things. People who eat popcorn loudly at movie theaters. Uh, People who answer their cell phones and talk loudly in a quiet environment. Uh, People who interrupt your conversation mid-sentence. Getting any emotions building up yet? Uh, This one will. People who pull out in front of you when no one's behind you. Or their close acquaintance, the person who passes you and then turns. All right, any emotions bubbling to the surface yet? Any? Yeah. Uh, How about people who show up late when you showed up early? Uh, People who aren't polite. For example, you open the door for someone and they just walk by without even acknowledging or thanking you. I'm starting to get agitated. Uh, Take it away from people just a little bit. How about bedrooms that are 85 degrees when you're trying to sleep the night before you have to preach? Or just in general, people not giving you your way. I don't know about you, but those are a list of some of the things that aggravate me. The things that kind of cause my my blood to boil a little bit at times, uh, cause me some frustrations. And I find that with these ones especially, these things that I've mentioned, that uh, this type of frustration, the more uh, I find them annoying, the more frustrated I get, uh, actually the more frustrated I get with myself a little bit. Uh, because a lot of those things are mere annoyances and, and aren't really good reasons to get angry. Um, I did a little research and, and I found some, some of the causes, uh, main causes beyond just normal frustrations that cause people to be angry. Okay, we all get angry from time to time and, and a lot of times it's annoyances, but sometimes it's legitimate anger. Uh, for example, some of the top, here's some top ten causes of legitimate anger. Uh, hurt. Where someone hurts you. Where you experience emotional trauma at the hands of, of someone else. A lot of times that can cause us to become angry. Uh, maybe embarrassment is another one. Embarrassment. Uh, we experience shame by our actions or the actions of someone else. For example, maybe as a parent, uh, you get angry when your, your kids embarrass you. They do something to hurt your family reputation through choices that they make. That causes anger. Another cause of anger, betrayal. Where others we value Show us how little we value to them. That can cause us anger. Uh, Failure is a cause of anger. Uh, We let ourselves down or we let other people down or or they let us down. Uh, Failure is often a cause of anger in our lives. Uh, Here's another legitimate one, very legitimate in my opinion, threat. Uh, For example, you feel threatened and so that fight or flight Response takes place inside of you, and so your blood pressure rises. You you rise to the occasion, and you you get angry in response to a threat. I can tell you a little personal story. Uh, I don't consider myself an angry person, though. As I studied uh, some of this this week, I'm reevaluating that in my own uh, life. However, uh, as a coach, as a football coach, uh, I have never once gotten a penalty. Uh, 
on me, on myself, on the sidelines for things I've said or done to the officials. Uh, I almost got kicked out of one game, however, uh, and that was uh, over when I was coaching in Idaho, and one of my players was consistently getting late hit. And so I had asked the officials about it, and I, I had told them, and I had pointed it out to them several different times, and finally it happened right in front of the white hat, who is the head official, and I lost it. Uh, my player was being threatened, and his safety uh, was was endangered. He was he and he actually got hurt on the play, and it was the closest I've ever gotten to being kicked out of a game. Thankfully, providentially, the uh, referee who was beside me happened to be from my church, and so um, maybe that wasn't a good thing. But uh, he was able to. Uh, he understood, and he didn't see it, and so he couldn't make. He couldn't do anything about it. But he was able to calm me down. But my players. Uh, Safety was endangered. I saw a threat that created a lot of anger in me. A couple more. Unreasonable expectations. Either ones that we have towards someone else that they fail to meet, or unreasonable expectations placed upon ourselves that we fail to meet in ourselves. Sometimes that can cause anger. Uh, Here's another legitimate one. Injustice. Injustice. Where uh, did the defenseless or the underprivileged are abused? And that's a, a social injustice. That's something that we as Christians should be angry about. Another one, prejudice, kind of along the same line. When others are treated unfairly because of who they are, right? Just because of their that things that are outside of their control, their race or their sex, that type of um, situation. Prejudice causes anger. Uh, another one, helplessness. Uh, that feeling of being out of control, that there's nothing we can do in a situation can cause anger. Well, as you probably have picked up today, our topic is on anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, which we've been looking at over the last few weeks, at the this, not that, the things that we need to put off, the old self that we need to put off, and the new self that we need to put on, We're going to look at this concept of anger a little bit today, and we're going to see that there are some angers that are legitimate, and there are others that we need to get rid of. Uh, And so just as I I kind of uh, preface this message, I want us to understand that that, uh, the anger that I'm mainly going to be dealing with that we put off is that annoyance, frustration, the, the first list that I mentioned. And what we do with that type of anger, uh, even in the, the list, the second list that I mentioned. So let's read together from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the, of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. 
He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Today, as we look at this, this, not that sermon series, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27, which I just read, but I'll repeat uh, just for refresh our minds. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, in this passage, it talks to us about the fact that, you know, we, we are going to be angry. Right? There are things in this life that will make us angry, will create that emotion. That's an emotion that God gave us. He created us with it. However, what we do with it and what is the cause of it are important in the life of a believer. See, Paul himself experienced anger. Uh, he experienced disappointment and, and, and frustration with new believers and some of these new churches and, and the attitudes that they had and the actions uh, that went along with this new faith that they, ever, that they were experiencing. Uh, we see this listed in, in his letters over and over, the things that he wants the church to stop doing. And if you've ever read uh, some of the letters of Paul uh, with kind of frustration in mind, it's interesting the tone uh, that, that you can see developing, especially in, in some of his passages to the church of, of Corinth. Uh, but Paul, he had every reason to be angry. You know, he saw some habits and some hurtful things taking place within the church that shamed the cross of Christ and hurt the witness of the church. And so he addressed that and he, he, he used his, he funneled his anger into helping to, to uh, disciple and mentor these early churches. Jesus himself experienced anger and we see that in Matthew chapter 21 when Jesus goes to the temple and he drives out the money changers who have set up their tables and their wares and, and really taken advantage of people. That was the problem. They were taking advantage of people and, and making a profit at the cost of people who were a, a, trying to offer their sacrifices. And so we see Jesus in his anger drive them out of the temple. But his anger was was just. You know, we experience anger frequently, but the problem with our anger is that so much of the time, it's, it's, it's different than the anger that Paul had. It's different than the righteous anger of Jesus. Uh, it comes from a place of selfishness and impatience. You know, ours is often directed at the, at the wrong thing. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. He contrasts righteous anger versus the anger that we experience as humans. Uh, slow to speak. I'm not very good at that. I don't know about you guys. Slow to anger. Kind of feel convicted right now, right? Uh, human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. And we need to, we need to understand this. Paul's anger led to rebuke and correction within the early church. It was a reaction to sin, to injustice that was happening within God's people. And it brought about change in people's lives. 
Jesus' anger restored uh, order in the midst of chaos. Uh, justice in the, in the, in the uh, middle of injustice, right? But our anger is almost always about selfishness. You know, our, and our anger needs to uh, originate from a place of righteousness and not from sinfulness within us. So there are some dangers in anger. Or dangers in anger, or dangers in anger. What is it? Okay, sorry. Bad joke. <laughs> Uh, dangers and anger. You know, anger, first and foremost, can blind us from our own sin. And that's one of the, the big dangers of anger. It blinds us from our own sin. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 4 through 5, you're probably familiar with this one. People like to pull this one out all the time when it comes to hypocrisy. But let's think of it in light of, of anger. Matthew 7, 4 through 5. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. As Christians, we're pretty good at identifying the problems that other people are having. It's easy for us to get angry at other people for for their behavior, for their actions. But we look over our own actions and our own behaviors. Uh, Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. You know, we often are quick to express our displeasure. We're quick to voice our concerns, right? That's what we like to call them a lot of time, when really they're frustrations and and anger inside of us. But it says that fools vent their anger, right? Be slow to speak, slow to become angry. The wise hold it back. Anger blinds us to our own sin, and that's a danger that it holds for each of us. Here's another danger of anger. Anger diminishes our trust in God. It diminishes our trust in God. If you see, when we get angry, what do we want to do? Well, if you're like me, I want to take matters into my own hand and I want to go and take care of the problem, right? That's my first reaction. Let's go deal with that knucklehead. Let's go chase him down in my truck, pull him over, rip him out of the truck, his car, and we'll deal with it, right? Yeah, okay. No, I've never done that. I promise. I've never done it. I might have played that scenario out in my brain a few times. You can ask my wife. <laughs> but, you know, we want to take matters into our own, own hands uh, because patience isn't a, a natural reaction, right? Uh, grace is not a natural thing for us just to, to do in the middle of our anger. Um, what about revenge? Uh, have you ever held a grudge? Or do you ever experience shock when God just doesn't immediately slap the other person upside the head or zap them in their, in their seat when they uh, offend us? You know, in Proverbs 20, 22, it says, Don't say I will get even for wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Again, I don't know about you, but that's, that's hard for me personally. Uh, I'll tell you that as I read a lot of these verses this week, this is one of those sermons that it kind of feels like I'm just looking into a mirror, right? That uh, this passage of Scripture is dealing with me. Because I want to get even. I want to get back at someone. I want to settle the score. That's not what Scripture tells us to do. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Or 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. It's kind of difficult, right? Someone insults you, what do you want to do? Insult them back. 
Again, take it back to traffic. I don't know why it keeps coming back to traffic with me. Someone cuts me off, what do I want to do? Tailgate them, pass them, and cut them off, right? Give them a little taste of their own medicine. It's not what we're supposed to do. Do not repay evil with evil. Insult with insult. Insult. It says, on the contrary, in 1 Peter 3, 9, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And that's, that's interesting. Don't repay that insult with insult. Repay it with a blessing. Man, is that contrary to our nature or what? Romans twelve nine. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Okay, we like that. Uh, we, you know, we're all right with the... Uh, the putting aside our revenge as long as God's wrath comes about, right? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I think the important thing there isn't the, the uh, wrath of God, but it's the heart of, of the matter when it comes to our repaying evil for evil. Do not take revenge. Do not repay evil with evil. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Anger diminishes our trust in God. So how do we handle, how do we deal with anger? Well, there's lots of things. There's books out there uh, by the dozens, probably thousands, about how we deal with our anger. Today, I just want to point out three things that we can do as Christians uh, to handle anger in our lives. These are three things that I need to start practicing. Um, Number one, slow down. Slow down. You know, much of our frustration and anger in life has to do with the frantic pace in which we live it. Uh, we rush here, we rush there, we're always in a hurry uh, to get on to the next thing on our schedule. You know, one of the biggest complaints that I've uh, ever heard from people who visit the United States from another country or who've lived there for a while, you can probably ask Melva about this, and who've lived in another country for a while and came back to the United States, what do you think it is? How we're always in a hurry, right? We're always in a hurry. We're always concerned about the clock. Now, I'd like you to ask yourself, does it really matter if you were just inconvenienced? Does it have eternal consequence that your meal, excuse me, your meal was brought to your table five minutes later than what you would have liked? Uh, is hitting all the red lights through town really causing you as much stress as you're allowing it to? You know, God's timing is, is perfect. And maybe there's a reason that he wants you to spend five more minutes at that table. Right? Maybe your conversation that you're having with the person across from you is that important, that it needs five more minutes. Don't get in a rush. You know, maybe you needed that 45 seconds to sit there and wait at the red light. It's time for us to slow down and, and trust God. In Psalm 37.7, it says, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently. Slow down. Right? It's not that big a deal. Slow down. Yeah, I think that the rush of life is a cause of our frustration a lot of the time. Here's another way that we can deal with anger in our life. Focus on yourself first and others second. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Matthew chapter 7, which we just read a moment ago, says what? Take the log out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in someone else's eye. Worry about yourself and your health and your spiritual health before you worry about someone else. Uh, maybe you've uh, flown recently and you remember this, or you've flown and you just remember this, when the uh, stewardess or steward, this is, 
the men stewards, um, they give their little explanation at the beginning of the flight. And they say, you know, remain buckled. And if in case of an emergency, if the, the oxygen mask drop down, what are you supposed to do? Put it on yourself first and then put it on the person next to you if they're having trouble. Why? Because in that moment, uh, if they're having trouble and you don't take that moment to put it on yourself, then you're both going to be in trouble, right? So make sure you are capable of receiving oxygen before you worry about the person next to you. Now, that seems kind of contrary maybe sometimes to what we think about. We need to serve other people, right? But it's a matter of safety. Make sure your safety is ensured, then you can help someone else. That's kind of the concept that I'm going for here. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, it says this. It says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. But you, you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Okay? There's a responsibility that each of us have to grow ourselves before we worry too much about someone else. You know, that's, that's something, again, I feel like we struggle with in the church. It's really easy for us to go around and teach everyone to do these things, right? You need to do this. You need to change that. You need to read this verse because you, it really applies to your situation without worrying about our own spiritual health first. You get healthy, and then you worry about someone else's health. Okay, so focus on yourself first and others second. Here's another way that you can uh, deal with anger. Focus on others first and yourself second. You catch that? Focus on yourself or on others first and yourself second. Now, this may seem in contrast to what I just uh, said, contrary, contradictory to what I just said. But here's what I what I mean by that. Consider others needs above your own in Philippians two, two through four. Then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one and spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. See, it's putting others' interests above our own. It's others being concerned for other people. Uh, and, and in this regard, I think of it as practicing grace. Right? Practicing grace. Practicing patience with other people. Trying to understand that what the other person is going through could be greater than what you understand. And when that person lashes out to you in anger or frustration, maybe they've had a day that has warranted anger and frustration. Maybe they're going through a season of life that makes their ability to handle maybe simple situations much more complicated. I think I've used this example in the past, but you're at a restaurant and your, your waitress is is absent-minded and distracted and, and messes up your order a dozen different times, but you don't know what they've gone through. Right? You don't know what she's experiencing, what he's experiencing in his life. Okay, and a little bit of understanding and putting their needs in front of your own goes a long way. You know, it, it would, I was thinking as I was driving, uh, was it yesterday? Two days ago, Friday night, my wife and I went down to Eugene, and someone, a, a truck, pulled right out in front of me. And my, again, my reaction was probably not the most godly of actions. And I decided to tailgate a truck in my little car. wasn't very smart. But anyways, I did for a little while. My wife got upset at me. It caused a little bit of tension. 
And I thought to myself, if Hazel was driving that truck, would I be tailgating them right now? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I know and I care about Hazel. Right? And, and I would be understanding and compassionate and, and forgiving. But I wasn't towards that you know, anonymous truck driver. Right? I didn't consider their needs above our own. In Romans 12.10, it says, be devoted to one another. In love, honor one another above yourself. So how can we deal with anger? Well, we think of our own health first before we worry about someone else's health, right? But we also need to consider other people's needs before our own. What does it really come down to? Well, you know, in this life, uh, we have a lot of opportunity to get angry. We do. Okay. In this in this church, in this family that we have here at Southside, there are lots of opportunities for us to be angry on a daily basis. You know, there are things that, that uh, maybe you don't like the song that we sing. Maybe that's making you angry. That's frustrating you. Uh, maybe uh, I preach too long or too short. I like you <laughs> if you like that. Maybe you don't like the color of the walls or the design of the stage or, or the way... Things are going. There's lots of opportunities for us to get angry in this life, here at Southside specifically. But we have a choice. And we have this nature inside of us that God is calling us to put off. That old way of handling anger. That old way of getting angry. And to put on a new self of patience and and grace. You know, in Romans 12.12 it says... Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. When we combine uh, a lot of patience and understanding and we partner that with, uh, with grace and forgiveness and we douse it in prayer, it's amazing how the anger fades away. I'd like to end with this. In Colossians 3.13 it says, Make allowances for every other's fault. For each other's faults, excuse me. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember this. The Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. You know, anger is a problem that we all deal with. Some of us are better at suppressing it and burying it down deep. But it's there. And it's not a sinful behavior. Or it's not a, excuse me, it's not a sinful emotion. But it can lead to sinful behavior. And that's the choice that we're all faced with today. How are we going to handle it when it presents itself? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the forgiveness, <clears throat> the grace, and the patience that you've shown us. God, if, if all of us had to stand up here and, and list our sins, we'd be embarrassed and shamed. And we'd probably never want to show our face again. But, Father, you know those things, and yet you love us deeply and intimately. And you are still willing to forgive us. You're still willing to send your Son to die for us. And, Father, I, my prayer is that after hearing some of these verses and from you this morning, that we will be willing to show just a, a minor little percentage of that same grace that you've shown us towards other people. I don't know, Father, if we can ever fully Uh, demonstrate grace and forgiveness and patience like you have. But I pray, Father, that every day we'll be growing closer and closer 
to how you demonstrated those things for us. And with that, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite our worship uh, team to come forward as we are challenged on a couple uh, take-it-homes. The first one, memorize 1 Peter 2.24. Let's say it together. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. A great verse. 1 Peter 2.24. That's right. Let's memorize that. We've still got some time this month. Second one. Here's another take it home. This week, when you find the steam rolling out of your ears, and you will, I want you to take a step back and consider Ephesians 4.26, and what we read this morning, and ask yourself this. How can you be more patient in that moment? How can you demonstrate grace towards whoever is causing or whatever is causing your anger? Then, don't just think about it. Let's put it into practice. Put it into action. I think if we do that even just one time uh, this week, it's amazing the growth that we'll see in our control of things that frustrate us and things that make us angry. And we can honor God even in the middle uh, of tense situations and an angry emotion.